Hi, I'm Malcolm Hawker, and this is the CDO Matters Podcast, the show where I dig deep into the strategic insights, best practices, and practical recommendations that modern data leaders need to help their organizations become truly data-driven. Tune in for thought-provoking discussions with data, IT, and business leaders to learn about the CDO matters that are top of mind for today's chief data officers. Hello, everybody. It's Malcolm Hawker, your host of CDO Matters, and we are here with another episode of CDO Matters Live, where I will be taking your live questions about data governance, data strategy, MDM, anything data related or anything else that we're going to be talking about in the first 15, 20 minutes or so. Super excited to have everybody here. Happy Friday. It's Friday as we record this, but knowing also that we will put this out on LinkedIn and we'll put it on YouTube and you may be consuming this at a later date. So happy whatever day you're consuming this on. Um, as usual, I am joined by my trusty sidekick, um, my my Andy to my Conan, my 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 Ed McMahon to my Johnny Carson. That's just such an old reference. I guess I shouldn't even be doing that anymore. Paul Shaker, Letterman, maybe. No, not even that. What, what's a buddy <laughs> duo out there that actually is like relevant today? Uh, there's Higgins and um, Jimmy Fallon on Tonight Show. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Or um, who's with the, the security guard uh, on, uh, it's not Jimmy, it's, um, oh, anyway. Hey, Darryl. anyway, Darryl. yeah, it, <laughs> I'm yeah. joined uh, by my fellow professor, Mr. Ben Bourgeois. Uh, ben, how are you doing? Doing good. Thanks awesome. for having me. Groovy. What you got on the docket today, Ben? Yeah, yeah. Um, I figured we'd start uh, start with kind of recency here, right? So I'm sure you had a busy week kind of getting back in the swing of things uh, this week and late last week because you spent several days down in Orlando at the, the Gartner Data and Analytics Summit. Um, what, what was that like? What was kind of a big takeaway from that, a highlight for you? Yeah, so that was last week, last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it feels like I still have a little bit of a Gartner hangover uh, uh, from that. It's not not just that it happens at Disney. It's just when when you're a software vendor like we are, and we were a sponsor, it, it's it's you you are up at you know, and you're up and out and pressing palms and having mm-hmm. breakfast at seven o'clock and talking with people and talking with clients and talking with prospects and talking with fellow analysts and all this others, you know, at starting at 7 a.m. And you're for us again, because we're there to meet people and, and interface and interact. I mean, we were going until 9, 30, 10 o'clock every day. So always on. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a grind, especially and, and but it's not a bad grind. It's just a long day, particularly for you. Some of you may find this, you know, amazing to, to believe and, and and this may define reality. For many of you, but but I'm what they call the Myers Briggs introvert. So if you've ever done the Myers Briggs test, right, the kind of the personality test, believe it or not, I'm an introvert. What what that means is not that I'm introverted, because obviously I'm not. Right. Uh, but but what what that means is is that I, I gain energy through solitude. I, I don't gain energy when I'm around people. I, I I energy is drained from me when I'm around people. I love being around people. I love having conversations. I love the Gartner event. It's amazing. It's just at the end of the day, it, it feels like my soul has been vacuumed out of my body. <laughs> and not for a bad reason. It's all great. I mean, at the end of these days, it's just like, hey, man, that was awesome. I got to see person A. I got to see person B. I met with this client. I had a conversation about 
governance or any like all this stuff is just it's just great. So um, it's it's just it's just a long a long three days. But that grants it out of you. Yeah, yeah. But getting to the conference itself in terms of the the kind of the some of the key takeaways, I did make a blog post uh, about this, a long form kind of blog post that's available on prophecy.com. I did make a, a post on LinkedIn as well about kind of some of my key takeaways. And I will re-summarize that here, obviously, with a little more color because because uh, we can do mm -hmm. that because of this uh, this venue. So key takeaway number one was um, the robots are coming. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. And this isn't just chat GPT because really that wasn't the kind of the, the core focus. It, generative AI and the kind of the undertone of chat GPT was not the main focus of 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 kind of this theme. Um, and, and what I mean by the robots are coming, folks, is is automation of data management, right? Uh, uh, starting with augmentation, this is this is this is a spectrum, right? On one end of the spectrum, you have kind of fully manual data management, right? And the other end of the spectrum is you have fully automated data management. Mm -hmm. We're on a path uh, from from manual to automated, somewhere in the middle is is this idea of what's called augmented where it's machines helping people um and and we're in the midst of that right now we're, we're knee deep in augmentation and we are mm -hmm. progressing in augmentation so when i say the robots are coming re really what i mean is is that we're on this path and there's no turning back uh, we're on a path towards increasing levels of augmentation of data management and, mm -hmm. and what do i mean by data management classic stuff in our world, right? Modeling of data, defining of data, glossaring data, lineaging of data, all the data cataloging, data profiling, data quality, MDM, all the data integration even, right? So so the, the, the kind of the core foundational building blocks of the discipline of data management where we are on a path towards more and more and more and more automation but that path will involve you know heavy doses of augmentation where people are still involved and people are mm -hmm. still driving um but but machines are heavily informing and increasingly and increasingly forming and that that we the the horses out of the barn pick whatever metaphor you want to use here but but that that's the road that we are on and some of the messaging from from gartner was Kind of consistent and relatively conservative, and mm -hmm. hey, let's not go crazy here. Um, this is years Gartner, away. Yeah, yeah, and and it is, um, but 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 you know, what what I saw over and over again is that is is that this is kind of inevitable. Inevitable. This is where we're going. Even if you want to go slowly, or if you want to go quickly, there were some vendors that were talking about going quickly. Microsoft is like all in now. Um, mm -hmm. even arguably, even a vendor like IBM, right, was was all in on this even ten years ago when they when they announced Watson and wow. heavy investments in in, in Watson. So, you know, this die has been cast for a while, but I think finally Gartner is kind of catching up a little bit, and some of the messaging there was really really cool and really innovative and really thought provoking. So as much as there was a lot of content around foundational issues, as much as Gartner was saying, hey, you know, mm -hmm. be, be, be careful, move slowly. Let's not do make another kind of big data. Let's not, you know, repeat the, the past of Hadoop's where we run in and spend zillions and zillions of dollars on things that have no value prop. That's kind of one of the messages that was said during right. the keynote on Monday morning. Don't fall for the shiny object necessarily. Yeah, exactly right. Don't do that. Smart. 
Um, but at the same time, other other messages they were giving was like, hey, th this is coming and you got to start preparing now. I, I had a hard time, honestly, with the, you know, hey, take it slow, take it easy. Don't make this another Hadoop error. Mm -hmm. um, because I said this on my blog post, I said it on LinkedIn as well. It's like, well, okay, comparing Hadoop and generative AI or AI of any form or automated even data management for that matter. I mean, comparing right. these two things, I mean, it's like, You've, you've literally got teenagers using ChatGPT to do their homework, right? right? <laughs> There's, there was no equivalent to that in Hadoop, right? I mean, we were just standing up HDFS clusters. We, we, were, we were hiring data scientists. We were, we were shoveling, literally shoveling money in, into, into big data, hoping we'd figure out a way to use it, right? And, and the, the pithy quote that I always give around this, and, 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 and trust me, folks, I was, I was involved in spending a lot of this money. So I'm, I've, I'm just as guilty as all the rest of them. Um, the pithy quote that I, uh, that I will use is that like Hadoop was, you know, answering a whole bunch of very, very interesting questions that nobody in the business was asking, right? Like, yeah. like building all of these interesting correlations and building all of these, all of these interesting insights. And it's like, oh, wow, did you know A, a is heavily correlated with B or that I could build some predictions to, 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 to model, you know, like uh, when people will show up for work based on their eye color? Um, like, oh, okay. Very correlation. <laughs> right. That's interesting. But is anybody asking for that? Right. Have, have yeah. we actually figured out how we'll, we'll, we'll operationalize these insights, let alone, you know, is, does anybody even really care? But yeah, that's much different than, you know, chat GPT getting a passing grade on like an actual Wharton MBA, <laughs> exactly. which I read recently. Exactly. So I'm, I'm sitting in the Monday morning keynote and I'm, I'm like, I'm fired up, right? Like Gardner does this stuff so well, right? Like they just do this so well. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like a rave for, for old data people like me, right? <laughs> like, like, like there we are and I'm all, I'm all pumped up and, you know, so, welcome to the stage. I'm like, yes, yes, yeah. yes. And then, then it's, then it's like, Hey, slow down folks. Yeah. Steve Ballmer hey. vibes to a degree of just the screaming oh, on stage. Yeah, yeah. Not quite. Like, I love this company. <laughs> um, but, but kind of, yeah. And then it was like, but Hey, let's take it easy on AI. Um, and I'm just kind of like, okay, wait a minute, hold on a second. I, I'm not so sure that this is a great metaphor or Hadoop is a great metaphor. But I mean, but that being said, I mean, great presenters as usual, great, great content as usual. Yeah. And the content that I was seeing around what Gartner calls active metadata, we can talk about that in more detail. The content that I was seeing around what Mark Beyer calls the active metadata double helix, just mm -hmm. bad, bad marketing there. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe I'll work with him and try to figuring that out. It's just, it just sounds a little complex, but other things related to augmentation and, and, and automation in the data management space were just really thought provoking and, and well worth the time. So that was one of the, that was one of the, the, the very kind of high level kind of key takeaways for me that, that, uh, that I, I'm still thinking about, you know, two weeks later, yeah. that's kind of what you want from a conference like that. Yeah, but it sounds like it was a healthy mix of kind of, hey, here's some things that are perhaps on the bleeding edge, some new technologies, things to look out for. But then you also had, had you know, we had Brian Zank, a prophecy customer yeah. for Message Career, to speak on what you're saying, very core data management principles, build a business case, you know, start from, you know, the the right foundation when you're trying to build these things. So it's, it's kind of a healthy mix, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is the world of MDM, and I would argue the world of data management writ mm -hmm. large, which, which is, there is a shiny thing out there, right? Augmented right. data management, automated, it's there, and it's becoming more and more real. Meanwhile, 
you still have a lot of people who are struggling. Many of you, of you I'm sure it's the reason why you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're here today, are kind of struggling with some of the kind of the basic tenets, right? With some of the blocking and tackling of data governance and MDM and data quality. And we can't forget that, that part. And we can't forget the basics. We can't forget the foundational components of what we all do for a living and, yeah. and, and focus one on the other. It's, it's really about a balance. And that's, that's what really kind of made, you know, the, the presentation from, from Brian Zink kind of awesome because he made it tangible. He, he went from, hey, we have a problem. We're Purina company. We're Nestle Purina, mm -hmm. a huge brand. And we've got this problem in that, you know, we're, we're, we're selling pet food and we really don't have much of an understanding of, of, of our total universe of users, like our, our right. a pet 360 or a vet 360. A, vets are a huge part of their, of, of their value yeah. chain. And, and, and just solving that problem, like a, a vet 360 and how would you use MDM and better data quality and better data management to do it? And he actually gave some tangible advice uh, about how to do that and, and some fairly innovative approaches from an organization perspective and, and um, uh, where the data and analytics function actually should live. In the case of Purina, they, they put yeah. the data and analytics function into the business unit, right? Like what would otherwise yeah, be considered- Right. What would otherwise be considered a kind of a, a centralized data and analytics function that mm -hmm. would typically be in a CIO organization, they, they actually put it into a business unit. Um, so some some pretty cool stuff there. So, so yeah. point taken, right? Like um, as much as we want to kind of rush towards the, the shiny future, mm. you're not going to be able to do that if if you don't have a core foundation, right? If exactly. you don't have a base level of, of maturity when it comes to MDM or data quality or data integration, you know, all those things still, still critically important. And at a Gartner conference, you're gonna get some of that, but this was my kind of like my core concern number two that I that I made in my, my blog post, which was, you know, Gartner is really good really good, I would argue the best in many ways when it comes to high level strategic insights for CDOs and CIOs, right? If you're chief data officer, if there's if there's one or two conferences that I would mm -hmm. go to, it would be it would be Gartner and it would be the CDO IQ conference at MIT this later this summer in July. I mean, there's that's it. There's those are the two that I recommend going to because you're yep. going to have thought provoking exchanges. You're going to meet with birds of a feather. You're, you're, you're going to be challenged around your strategy and your roadmap and making sure that you're thinking about that stuff down, you know, down the yeah. road. But what there's a real shortage of at, at Gartner is for that core audience. And this is something I didn't make that clear in, in my, in my blog post or on LinkedIn, but for that core audience of senior vice presidents of data and analytics, CDOs, even senior directors of data and analytics at extremely large companies. For yeah. that audience, there's not a lot of content about the kind of the ABCs and one, two, threes of how you go from where you are right. to where you want to get to, right? And and I, you could say, oh, well, that's really not for that conference. That's for some lower, for a conference that's more focused on the doers instead of the, the strategizers. Mm -hmm. But even the strategizers, I would argue, and I've, I've said this many times in many posts, I've, I've, I've written a couple of white papers about this in terms mm. of the importance of having a high level roadmap be integrated into your data strategy. So strategy is not roadmap, but at the same time, if you're working on a strategy, you should have some idea what that roadmap looks like at a high level, right? We're not talking details, at least a high level understanding of what that roadmap looks like, which would include some high level milestones of, okay, if I want to get to this future state, what are the, right. some of the, the, the big four or five steps I need to take? What are the things I need to be focused mm -hmm. on? 
what should I do now versus what should I do later, right? How important is governance and all this? And should I drop everything and just be focused on data governance? Like the, how all the pieces fit together, right? In a data management ecosystem. Um, if I'm a CDO or a VP of data and analytics, or even a senior data, senior director of data and analytics, I, there was none of that at Gartner. They, they don't, right. they don't put those pieces together to say, Hey, okay. At a strategy level, this is where you want to go. Okay, got that. Check. But here, here are the four or five things you should be thinking about along the way. And here's some order of operations. Right. right? Um, they just don't touch on it. And, and I think that's that's really a high level function of a lot of folks at, at, in Gartner who are. And this isn't a bad thing. I'm not being negative because these are some incredibly smart people. Like way smarter, way smarter than me. But they're career analysts. Um, and, and who haven't kind of been in the trenches with, you know, putting shovels in the ground and actually and actually yeah. doing this stuff. So, yeah, it's almost a yeah. gap, right? Where you yeah. have the high level strategic thinking, what you're trying to do, what your actual yeah. strategy is. And you have, of course, the vendors who can get you solutions and things you need to kind of put those things together. But like you said, those building blocks actually actually putting a roadmap together. Yeah. I mean, order of operations, right? Like when I was a gardener, mm -hmm. I would hear that all the time right like okay i there's i've got all these pieces i know i need to focus on data quality i know i need to focus on data governance i know i need a data strategy and mm -hmm. i know there's all these other things that i should be focused on i need to build out the data and analytics team there's i need to be focused on you know my, my culture right yeah. and, and becoming more data driven and and there's this my consultants over here is telling me i need to focus on data literacy and if i don't focus on data literacy nothing's going to work and there's so there's all these moving right. pieces and, and and where do I start, right? And man, Gartner would go from being a really good conference to an amazing conference if it was able to figure some of that stuff out. Um, yeah. Because there's a gap, because there's plenty of conferences where you can go, we're sponsoring one later this summer, is the mm -hmm. uh, DGO, uh, uh, DGIQ Data Governance Information Quality Conference in San Diego, first week of July. We're sponsoring yeah. that, I'll be there, I'll be speaking um where it's very focused on kind of the doers and, and 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 management level and senior management level about how to do governance and do data quality and do mdm but there's a big gap between that and the hey here's your strategy mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and speaking of garner you're saying not a lot of concern about any economic challenges not not a lot of talk of the reception recession I, before i don't oh, know it's maybe I live in it like so I live in the east coast of Florida and often um, when I'm trying to save my company money, uh, which is often uh, I'll fly out of Orlando. I do have a little local airport here. It's called Melbourne, Florida, but but there's right. not a ton of flights and they tend to be expensive. Um, and maybe I'm a little bit, I don't know what the word is, um, misguided because I, I spend a lot of time in Orlando, but it's busy. Right. Disney, yeah. busy, crazy, busy. Go to Gartner, which is on it's in literally in Disney. It's on the ground, it's on the park grounds, busy. People walk, it look busy, busy. Go to the Gartner mm -hmm. event, busy. Um people I, I hundreds of people we talked to. Our our booth was really busy. That's awesome. It's exciting. Um, so hundreds of people that I talked to and that the issue of, you know, kind of global recession, economic uncertainty, all those things, it really didn't come up. And I didn't sense yeah. that vibe at all in any of the presentations, in any of the conversations that I had. 
Um, whether that was informally at the booth or through dinner conversations that I was having every morning or, or every night or, or lunch yeah. and breakfast conversations, I, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It doesn't mean it's not concerned. I just, I just didn't hear that much of it um, as yeah. opposed to, you know, um, you know, one year ago, even just going back to the Gartner conference that happened actually in August. Cause, yeah. yeah. Cause they had delayed it because of COVID that, that was, that was a topic people were talking about that, but now I, I, they're not. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. There, there just wasn't a lot of talk of it. And I, and that, that did kind of surprise me for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to lead with Gartner and takeaways just cause you're really just kind of coming right out of it. I thought it was the most timely thing, but you know, we did have a featured topic today in today's episode, uh -huh. uh, data fabric demystified. Um, you know, you had a post on LinkedIn recently about the hype around data fabrics, you know, whether the hype kind of matches reality, what's the actual time frame of people actually commercializing such a thing? Could you could you yeah. just touch on that and kind of what you think the the future is for data fabrics? Yeah. So I really expected going into the Gartner conference that that would be like the number mm -hmm. one drumbeat, and and it wasn't. Yeah, doesn't doesn't mean that <laughs> doesn't mean the Gartner is still not promoting it and hyping it. They most certainly are. Um, they believe that it is progressing around what they call their their hype cycle, which is you know uh, going from the the shiny thing to something that yeah. can actually be operationalized and, and is driving value for organizations. Disillusionment. Yeah. Um, I I. I am absolutely a believer. So everything I'm about to say uh, is, is within the context of I'm a believer in the data fabric. But let's step back. Mm -hmm. First of all, what is a data fabric um, versus maybe a data mesh? Um, but a, a data fabric to me, and this, this is my kind of slightly pedestrian kind of slim down version of, 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 of how to define a data fabric. And I suspect some of my peers at Gardner may, ex-peers at Gardner may, may take issue with this because it's, it's pretty simple, but I think it's actually digestible. And, and the way I define a data fabric is, is a data management architecture. So that's what it is, first and foremost, a data management architecture, mm -hmm. wherein data itself starts to inform its own classification and use. So just it's a data management architecture where data informs its classification and use, meaning governance, meaning quality rules, meaning integration patterns, meaning how do I use the data? What are the rules for using the data? How do I classify the data? How do I label the data? How do I manage the data? Data itself is going to start informing all of those things. Mm -hmm. So I have a podcast coming up where I spend an entire hour <laughs> going through all of this. So mm -hmm. I would welcome you to uh, check out future editions of the CDO Matters podcast, where I have where I go into a lot of detail around this. But for, for today, the way I try to explain this is that historically, let's go back to that spectrum I was talking about, right? Full automation. Where did I start left, right? I don't know. Uh, full ma manual data management, automated data management. Go right. back to a world of manual data management, right? Where human beings define the data models. Human beings define the data quality rules. Human beings define the integration patterns, right? 
based roughly off of some governance patterns, uh, governance policies and procedures that were all defined by humans as well, based on specific outcomes that you were trying to drive, rules that you were trying to maintain, compliance, fraud, what, whatever the desired outcomes were, you would kind of work backwards from that and say, okay, well, here's how I define a customer, here's all the rules and da 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 da. da. If you can, if 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 you can kind of conceptualize a Chat GPT model here, and 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 work with me, I'm not I'm not trying to turn everything into Chat GPT, but <laughs> hopefully this will sink sink in. Um, if it's possible for computers and AI, largely uh, AI, um, to use all data from the internet prior to 2021 mm-hmm. as a means to make informed decisions to basically any question. Right. If, 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 if we now live in a world where I can ask a question and get a relatively solid, high confidence, predictable, maybe not as mm-hmm. predictable. This is this is a V1 technology here, guys. So so acknowledge ChatGP is not this is a V1 technology. It's still pretty amazing. But if, if we can at least get our heads around the idea that we can use that all of that data as a training set and that training set can allow us to have some pretty insightful answers around just about any question. Mm-hmm. Could we do the same thing in the world of data? Could we use all of our corporate data, all log data, all transactional data, all, all data everywhere within our organization? And we've got a lot of it, folks, right? It's all over yeah. the place. Every application is developing, is, is spitting out logs. Your, your local network is spitting out log data and on and on and on. Imagine a world where we use all of that data as a training set for governance policies, where you could actually ask, <laughs> when is customer data accurate? Mm-hmm. I would argue, I would argue, based off of all sorts of data you already have, log data that says when transactions succeed or when they don't succeed, right? Log data that shows when data or, or when a process is completing successfully or it's not completing, or maybe it's slowing down, or maybe there's some some situation where people are actually involved in updating data that that an AI engine could look at and say, oh, okay, well, there's a problem there. What was the problem? Aha, it was associated with this character type or this character width, right? You could very easily visualize, I think you could, at least thanks to GPT, a world where really, really smart AI is actually able to tell you when data is correct, right? When it's incorrect, could tell you what the optimal integration patterns were between system A and system B where they could tell you what is master data, what's not master data. No, right. no, knowing that master data is, is data that is widely shared across the organization that needs a common set of business rules and, co- and governance policies and procedures assigned to it. I think you could very easily see that world thanks to ChatGBT. That's the data fabric. The, the data fabric is a, is a world where, it, where advanced technologies, primarily knowledge graphs, not exclusively, primarily knowledge graphs with a heaping dose of AI layered over top of it, where the data itself, thanks to machines and AI, is is actually telling us the best way to manage it, right? Where uh, where, the, where the entire architecture of data management is a reflection of what the data is telling us is best and optimal for specific use cases. So this is not just about, by the way, folks, this is not just about data management, like classic back office data management. This is mm-hmm. even business operations optimization. You, you, in theory, the same thing could be true about, well, what should I be charging my customers? What's the yeah. optimal to charge my customers? Who's the best supplier to fulfill this material need based on historicals, right? So it's not just about how we manage data. 
this is this is gets into business operations as well. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how how Gartner kind of kind of splits that because the same the very very same technology here um, could could be enabled to, to to fuel data management decisions or just even business management decisions for that matter. So. That's the high level around the data fabric. It's still being talked about by, by Gardner. It is still very, very real, but we are talking probably like seven to 10 years out. we got a long way to go, but I mean, yeah. it, things are accelerating. Like a year ago, I could never even imagine a chat GPT. Obviously people were yeah. working on it, we were working on it, but like a year ago, like I would have been like, nah, right now. <laughs> I ask, I ask ChatGPT like the the top five things that I was asked when I was a Gartner analyst, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the best way to start a, a data governance program, or you know, like how do I define data quality? I mean, all of these things that I was asked as an analyst, the answers it gives, are pretty good. They're not, not great. Not they're, they're not great, but they're pretty good. So, but but you don't get this, folks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're gonna. <laughs> Pay for that. All right. Yeah, from ChatGPT. I mean, this this is worth the price of admission right here, right? You know, the entertainment value of your uh, of your your data bot here. So, anyway. absolutely, absolutely. So we also hit a, a big milestone recently. So you hit twenty episodes of the CDO Matters podcast last week, and you went back to where it first started. You had your buddy Scott Taylor, Data Whisperer, back on. What was that like getting to episode twenty? Well, so first of all, uh, one, thank you to my team, including you, sir, um, and, and and everybody else who helps do this, because this does most certainly take a village. Um, I mean, I didn't think that this old dog had a lot of new tricks left in him, but apparently I do, um, which is which is pretty cool. Um, I, I, you know, go back a year and a half, I never thought that I would be like a content creator. Right. Um, I'm right. still waiting for LinkedIn to reach out and give me whatever that is that their their content creator starter kit that I see sometimes my friends on LinkedIn all have. I, I have some envy there. But um, 20 episodes of the podcast has been it's been a lot of fun. It's been it's been a lot of work. We're all kind of learning as we go. Um, I've it's I'm still trying to figure out, and I think we're we're still trying to figure out what you know what the audience really wants and what is it responds to um you know we're, we're kind of figuring this out as as we go um there's been episodes where you know i won't use any specifics at all where, where i've assumed that you know hey this is going to be a blockbuster right we're, we're going to get an we're going to get an academy award for this the you know the podcast academy awards whatever those are and it's mm -hmm. been it's been you know it's been reasonably well uh, received but not incredibly well received and then there's been others where i thought okay well this is this is good you know this is you know, some one-on-one type stuff. It could be valuable, um, but you know, like you, it's it's not it's not going to be you know uh, you know the Academy Award winner that has been incredibly well received. Um, yes. So, so a lot of the preconceived notions that I had about what the what our audience you know uh, really wants and doesn't want have 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 been difficult to kind of pin down. So I look forward. To, to, to working with the community and interfacing more and more and more with the community, getting input on, on what we should be focusing on and what we shouldn't be focusing on. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's interesting though, when I was at Gartner, um, you know, I had, I had people walking up to our booth and saying, Hey, I, I like your podcast. And I was like, are, are you talking to me? Like, is there somebody behind me? Like, you recognize with, with a, yeah, there's somebody behind me with a podcast? Like, um, Oh, you mean me? Um, which is kind of fun. I never, I never expected that in, uh, 
in, in a long shot. So it, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been fun doing the content creation. It's been fun learning all of this. Um, would love to provide more value and more insight to the community, right? And figuring out what, what that means, whether it's talking about MDM or data strategy or building an organization or technology. Um, we're figuring out as we go. But to the degree that anybody has feedback, whether that's through LinkedIn, this medium, any other medium, mm -hmm. uh, lo love to hear it because this is ultimately about the audience. And I don't want to make that sound, you know, kind of kind of too pithy. But the core reason why we're doing this, guys, is because what I saw and what I still see um, on LinkedIn and on kind of traditional channels and media is a lot of the same old, same old, right? Like a lot of the same things that we've been hearing in the data management space and the MDM space for a long time, you know, like do this and do this and do mm -hmm. this. And frankly, a lot of it isn't working because we're not doing it right. We're, we're, we're not aligning our efforts to business outcomes. We're not quantifying business outcomes. A lot of the things that we're doing from a kind of, a, a, you know, data management perspective uh, aren't necessarily optimized from the perspective of best practices when we know the best practices work. Right. Yeah. Um, that's why we started doing all this was we wanted a different voice. We wanted a different perspective. And I had a theory that, well, maybe, you know, there are different channels, right? Maybe data leaders are going to different places that they didn't go to in the past. Right. And maybe we can touch more people by having a podcast. Maybe we can touch more people by doing stuff like this on LinkedIn. Maybe we can touch more people by me being on LinkedIn every day um, to get a new message and to get new insights and new perspectives on new media. Um, not the podcast or new media, but there's not a ton of data related podcasts out there, frankly. Yeah. So that's what it's been like. 20 episodes, been a lot of fun. Good to reconnect with my buddy, the the data whisperer, Mr. Mr. Scott Taylor. Uh, we yeah. literally sat in my kitchen for an hour and talked about data and I drank beer. He drank beer too, but I wouldn't call it Bud Light. Wow. Well, I yeah. guess it technically yeah. is beer, but says the guy with a gluten-free beer, right? This is like, they make gluten-free beer. Yeah. They do. Yeah, Scott had a, a Florida tap water, the Bud Light. <laughs> Florida tap water. Yeah, Bud Light and Miller Light. Yeah, I think yeah. May, perhaps. Um, but still, it was it was it was great to connect with Scott. He's there. I, I, he was my first guest. He was guest number one. Yeah. And yeah, I I, I wanted him as guest number one because he has like sixty thousand followers or something on LinkedIn, <laughs> and, and and every single one of them is well earned. But really, the reason why he was guest number one was not because he has a lot of followers. He does. Um, but because he, to me, Scott Taylor epitomizes doing things a little differently, right? And breaking away from the same old, same old kind of finger wavy. You really need to do these things. Right. The different, he, the way that he does things is different. He uses children's books and finger puppets and and pithy little like you know voiceovers songs. And, and songs and all this just all this other stuff that that is clearly working and the guy knows his stuff when it comes to data storytelling I, there is nobody better than him he is has an uncanny unbelievable ability to take complex technical stuff where data yep. people like us We'll, we'll, we'll focus on the how, we'll focus on the technology, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all of these kind of you know, very technical things. He has ability to take that and mm -hmm. actually transform it into words that C-level people will go, oh, 
oh, nobody's explained it to I, I've watched this, guys. I've seen this happen in real time. Mm-hmm. Where 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 data leader will say, "Hey, I'm kind of struggling with A or B, or I'm having a hard time getting my my the people you know in the C-suite to kind of get aligned behind what I'm trying to do here. I'm having a hard time doing all these things." And then I've heard Scott t- say, "Well, you know, think have you thought about you know explaining it this way, or telling it this way, or using this as a metaphor, or right. using this this tool, or, or or explaining it this way?" And and I've heard senior management people say, "Oh, wow, okay." Bingo. That's what I need to do. Thank you. So to me, Scott epitomized kind of the breaking away from the same old, same old of data management best practices and the, right. the thou doubts. And I couldn't have been more thrilled that he was number 20 and hopefully he's number 40 and 60 and 80 40 and 100. And 50, exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, even in the title, right? It wasn't, you know, how do I get a data program off the ground? How do I sell it to leadership? How do I implement data XYZ? It's, you know, the art and science of data storytelling. How do you get yeah. back to that? the core and the basics of actually getting people to care about what you're trying to solve and getting people to buy into it. Yep, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and who's your guest that you're speaking to in a few weeks on the, the data fabric demystified? It's me. Oh, I'm- <laughs> yes. I have a very compelling and engaging yeah. guest. It's me. I'm the alter ego. Um, Exclusive. On, on that one, I, I thought, I, I actually thought that I'd probably be best to help explain that versus having a guest. Um, I was at kind of, I, I could say ground zero. I don't think that would be fair. I was involved in the creation of the data fabric narrative at Gardner, right? I was doing peer reviews. I was I was providing feedback on how to explain A and how to explain B. So, so I, I have some rather unique insights here into a, something that was, I would argue, and Gardner would largely agree with me, um, Gardner created. Right. And, and, and I was there. Right. I wasn't yeah. the person doing the creation, but I was in the factory helping. Um, so I thought that having kind of me, help, you know, focus on the data fabric and just me instead of kind of getting another guest involved that that uh, I thought it was best for me to do it. So it's just me. Little. No. Makes makes total sense. Total sense. Um, any, uh, what had, what was that? Go ahead. I was like one thing you had on LinkedIn recently on. Um, just defining data and its business value and like just just the perspective of people, you know, if you look at it purely semantically, right? Data can be just an output or an exhaust, or like you're saying it's oh, yeah. the, the report you're getting from your, your your network stats or something. What is it that people have as kind of a misconception about data and what it can actually do for you? Great question. So I I had some really I'm continually amazed by the the quality of interactions and the quality of insight and the quality of provoking thought. Is that, mm-hmm. can I, is that even a sentence? I, I don't know. The thought provoking nature of posts on LinkedIn, right? I, yeah. You know, I wasn't really, when I was a Gartner, um, I wasn't engaged on LinkedIn and, and, and most Gartner analysts, analysts really, really aren't for a lot of different mm-hmm. reasons. Um, uh, but, but I really wasn't engaged. Uh, and leaving Gartner, I really and, and coming to Prophecy, I really got engaged in LinkedIn, and I'm just kind of blown away by the quality of the thought, the quality of the the content that people are providing, and the responses that I'm getting. And and I had a I, I, I made a post recently, really kind of talking about the data fabric, right, and and how data could be used to to start automating decisions about how to manage data. 
right? And some of the responses I got back, which I at the time I I I I thought were a bit curious, and 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 arguably incorrect, but they still made me think. And some of the responses were, well, why would you do that? Data is just exhaust. Yeah. Like, like data is this byproduct. It's, it's like the excrement of the business. Right. And, and I, I, at first I kind of like, you know, no wrong, wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But as LinkedIn often makes me do, and as I find myself doing more as I age, thankfully I stepped back and I, I I thought about it for a bit and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I get that. I, I can see that. And, and the metaphor that I kind of came up with in my head, whether it's a good one or a bad one, I don't know. Um, I've never been much of a boat guy or into boats. But um, the metaphor that I came up with is if you're always looking backwards, yeah. right? And data is kind of looking backwards, arguably, some of it. Obviously, you can use data to create models and predictions and do forecasts and all that stuff. But, but if data is something that happened before... <laughs> Right. The metaphor I came up with in my head is like it's like it's being on a boat and then looking backwards and, and you can drive a boat in a completely straight line off a wake. Me- meaning yeah. if you are looking backwards, if you're not even looking forwards and you're driving a boat, you can keep it going in a completely straight line if you're just looking backwards. But if you want to turn, if you want to deviate looking forward, then you're going to be in for a problem. Right. Yeah. And this that, that kind of made me appreciate the data as exhaust comment a little bit more. And it, and it just made me think. And and what you will see me do on LinkedIn is is be provocative by design. I'm not being and I'm not being provocative because I'm trying to generate clicks. I'm being provocative because we need to break the same old, same old of data management. Yeah. We need to ask difficult questions. We need to admit when maybe some of the things that we're recommending are wrong or outdated or old. And I thought that it was appropriate to ask or at least throw out there, hey, right, like, do we think this is true? If it is true, is this problematic? Um, and if and if it's not true, well, then tell me why it's not true. In essence, right? Sure. Um, and and I got a lot of interesting posts back. I I don't happen to think the data is exhaust. I, I think it's more of like a mirror than, than exhaust. I, I think it's more of of an analog. It's a, yeah. it's 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 a digital representation of business performance that I think is is more useful than just a byproduct. Sure. Um, I, I guess you could argue, are these academic discussions? Partially, I think they are. But I think we need more of that. And I think we need more thought thought provocation. I think we need more uh, introspection. And I think we need, right. need more analysis because, because frankly, if, you have, if you're in an organization, you're out there and people think that data is just exhaust, it's just a byproduct. Well, then I think you're in for a really, really hard time of be- right. to try to transition that organization to become more data driven. Because if that thought is prevalent in your organization, th- that's a lot of headwind that you're going to have to battle with as a data yeah. leader. Yeah. Going back in your, your mirror analogy, I've heard one, you know, it's the, the reason the, uh, the rearview mirror is much smaller than the windshield, right? <laughs> oh, what a great one. That's good. You certainly like need it, it but uh, you're not going to spend your entire time driving. Looking. Love it. At least you shouldn't. Love it. Or at least you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, just talking about LinkedIn generally, I mean, it, it's it's just evolved so much, right? I mean, it used to be this professional networking site and you would you would share a few news and updates, but it was a lot of, hey, here's a link to things going on outside of LinkedIn. And I think now it's completely flipped on its head where it's not so much about you posting and linking to conferences and blogs and even podcasts and other things. It's you're getting so much engagement in the comments. You know, people see the posts and the comments are really 
where things are, you're saying people are having those provocative discussions. People are really kind of. It's awesome. I, 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 I didn't think that it would be that good. Right. Um, but it, but it really, really is. And the mm -hmm. feedback that I'm getting is that people are getting some value out of it. And, and as much as I am really consciously trying to be open-minded and learn and, and not just assume, but know that I don't know everything. Cause I don't, there's no way that I can or anybody can. Um, so kind of putting aside my, my inner know-it-all and, and putting aside my, my preconceived notions and all these other things and, and really go in with an open mind and say, okay, I can learn here. And, and, and if, for me, that, that approach has really, really worked. Um, staying kind of humble and being open to what other people are saying. And for me, it's, it's, it's really been worth it. I mean, the whole LinkedIn thing has been worth it, even though it can, it can consume a lot of time. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. So I noticed we got a, a couple of questions in the Q&A. just want to make sure that we don't ignore any. See a comment from Peter on Gartner's docs lacking. Yes, totally agree, Peter. Yeah, we uh, in the chat about um, you know all the thoughts and uh, I'm sorry, uh, making data language accessible, understandable, and valuable to everyone in the organization. I know you talk about data literacy, data literacy, and not trying to take that hook, but how do you make it accessible and kind of kind of spread that word? Well, you you need the, the short answer is you need to speak the language of the business. That that's 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 the short answer. The 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 longer answer here is that. Data and analytics organizations need people. When I've hired them in the past, I called them business analysts. That was their title was business analysts. They don't have to be titled that way. But data and analytics organizations absolutely positively need people who are straddling the business and the data organization, who, who preferably optimally know and came from the business, right? So if you are, you know, they, they came from, so the supply chain organization, they came from the manufacturing organization, they came from sales and marketing, right? And, and now mm -hmm. they're in, in the data and analytics team and they're the ones that are helping you understand the requirements. They're the ones that are helping you make sure that the report is correct or the output is correct. So speaking the language of the business is critical. And the way that you do that is that you bring people into the data organization who know the business and can have those conversations. So I think a big part of this also, guys, is having those business analysts participate in more of what would start to look like in the data and analytics world would start to look like more of a product team. Yeah, uh, this is maybe something we can focus on next time. And, and I'm going to have more and more posts here uh, on LinkedIn related to kind of what I would let's just loosely call it data as a product, although I, I, I don't like that designation. I, I much prefer product management as a discipline integrated into data management. Sure. That's where I think we need to go. I think we need to, to act like more, more like product managers and act yeah. like more of a product organization. Being customer driven versus data driven or IT driven. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Like this is, this is, you know, being data driven sounds great, but, but it's a little bit of a trap, right? If, if, if we are really, really data driven, I think that gives us carte blanche to go and use data centric terms and IT centric terms and data management terms that nobody knows or understands or even cares right. about. But if you're customer driven, right? Um, where, where, what you, what your mandate is, is to develop and manage products that serve those yeah. customers. Well, then you're going to take a completely different perspective. You're going to know what the customers want. You're going to know their challenges. They're going to, you're going to know right. their roadblocks. You're going to have people that are working in the data and analytics organization whose job it is, is to understand that stuff and to explain it to customers in ways 
that help them operationalize the insights, the reports, the data, right? And and that's real to me. That is that is the core of product management. Mm-hmm. And I would argue if we take that approach, if we deeply integrate more product management disciplines into data management, I would argue the whole idea of data literacy just goes away. Yeah. It just it just goes it just goes away. If you followed me for any length of time now, you know that I have a little bit of a gripe when it comes to the phrase data literacy, because how in the world are you going to have a a productive conversation with somebody you're supposed to be helping when you believe them to be illiterate? Yeah, data illiterate. And, 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 And you embark on a program to address their illiteracy issues. And I know that sounds literal, um, and it is, but we're data people. Nouns matter. <laughs> Nouns matter. Right? And, and when you call somebody basically illiterate, you're, 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 I mean, immediately it's an us versus them. Immediately it's you don't know something when probably what's unknown is what we don't understand about the business, right? right. If we focus being more business-driven, product-driven, customer-driven, then this idea of getting our stakeholders more literate just goes away. And what it's replaced by, what it's replaced by is what a product manager would call go to market. Yeah. I'm taking my product to market and I need to educate my users on how to correctly use it. I need to provide a support mechanism. I need to give an 800 number or a chat bot so that they can get their questions answered, right? It behooves me to mm. do that. The, the story that I always tell when it comes to data literacy, and I've, I've said this before and I'll keep saying it again, if I, if I built this, right, if I was building a widget and it was a phone, right, and nobody used it, everybody complained about it, they didn't know how to use it, they didn't know how to turn it on, would I say they were phone illiterate? No. No, I, I, I wouldn't. And as a matter of fact, if nobody bought it, if nobody got any value from it, if nobody could use it, it would be my fault as the product manager because I missed the mark. Right. Right. I, I, I failed to gather some requirements or my design sucked or something else was not right about it. But in our world, oh, well, they must be data illiterate. Oh. So anyway, that's that's my gripe about against data literacy. But um, anyway, looking at some more of the questions, I I, I don't know. I, we can go anywhere with the conversation as usual. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I thought this was a fun one. I got a lot more. Um comments that I would have expected because it's kind of a, you know, operational kind of tactical one difference between a data owner and a data steward. So is data owner really the best way to talk about it? Do you own it? If you're the steward of the data, can data be owned by a single person? No, no. (laughs) Those last ones are easy. No. Um, Oh my goodness. Data owners. Thank you, data mesh for for creating this otherwise new phenomenon that really wasn't new it's always kind of been lurking mm-hmm. there but data owners um okay so question number one are they any different than data stewards well i i think the acolytes of the data mesh would say yes absolutely they are uh the data owners are are these pseudo they're not product managers but are these but are in theory people that are responsible at a domain level whatever that means whether that's mm-hmm. a business domain or a data domain or a, some other domain, but where there, people are responsible at a domain level to ensure that the data products adequately meet the need of the consumers within those domains. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that. That's what I think most of the market sees as a data owner today, because thanks to the popularity of the data mesh, most people are kind of are racing that way, right? But, okay, I'm going to be a data owner, um, and I get to define the data product, and maybe, maybe I even get to define the governance rules for it. This is where things get a little murky in the data in the data mesh architecture. Is that? Um, there's really kind of three things going on here. There's product management, mm-hmm. right? There's governance policy definition, and there's data stewardship. And data owner, depending on who you're talking to, and in depending on what company you work on, that the data mm-hmm. owner can be all three or it could be just one. It's completely and totally murky because frankly, people are, are, are taking the data mesh and they're integrating whatever they want out of it, but then leaving a lot of it behind. It's kind of like this a la carte, right? It's like, well, I like that part of the data mesh. I'll do that. And I like that part and I'll do that. And that other stuff, you know, computation, federated governance, so we'll leave that to later. Mm -hmm. That sounds hard. Uh, So we'll we'll integrate data products and the data products need to have data owners. So here you go, data owner. Um, Maybe you're doing all three things, stewardship, policy definition, maybe even policy enforcement, which is typically stewardship and, and, and product management. Maybe mm-hmm. you're doing all three. Maybe you're only doing one. I don't know. Depends on how you're defining a data owner. I think it's murky, and I don't think it's doing the data management world any favors. Um, what we need to do is separate those three things. <laughs> right? This is what we need to do. There's three things here. One, product management. Okay? I would argue data and analytics organizations need to hire product managers. If you want Mm -hmm. to be customer driven, not data driven, if you want to be customer driven, you want to make sure that you're you're, you're meeting your customers' needs. If you want to make sure that you have products that are being utilized and driving value from them, if you want to do ROI, right, maybe even profit and loss, P&L, when it comes to your data products, wouldn't that be amazing? Hire a product manager. They know how to do that. That's what they do for a living. So that's task number one. Task number two is defining governance policies and procedures for a given data domain, object, field, schema, API, it doesn't matter. Governance policies. Typically, that is done by some mm-hmm. form of governance committee, not a single person. Right. Right. Here's where the data mesh really kind of falls down, right? Because it, it muddies these, these two things together and it's really unclear. It's like, oh, I own the data. Does that mean I get to define everything, like all the governance policies? Well, probably not. That's the second or third question that was asked. Uh, what does data owner even mean? Can data even be owned? No, it can't for that very reason. Yeah. Governance policies and procedures are generally a collaborative, generally collaborative effort. Number three, stewardship, right? And number two and number three can be different people. You can have mm-hmm. people defining policies, VPs of your chief revenue officer can be defining right. a governance policy for how to define a customer, but a steward could be somebody in sales ops who's actually, you know, stewarding a record. So those things really need to be separated. They're distinct tasks, they're distinct roles, and the data owner will often just munge them together and assume that we've got complete clarity around the role, and we do not. Yes. Absolutely. Sorry, I'm passionate about this, as you can tell. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, so I'll probably probably last topic of the day since we're closing in on time here, but um, a, a bit of a plug. So you've got an upcoming episode um, talking about um, you had a post on LinkedIn. What would happen if CDOs stopped trying to govern data? Would there be chaos in the streets um, or, or would things kind of just kind of progress along? Right. So I think you're going to have Bethany Lyons. Yeah. Is that right? On in a couple, couple of weeks. Yeah. We, we've got we've got a couple of really cool. Um, yes. Data. Fabric demystified with yours truly. 
Um, and yeah, so Bethany Lyons will be joining in another few weeks where we talk kind of about this issue. She, she coined yeah. this. I don't know if she came up with it or not. I, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the self-service governance, which sounds like completely heretical. And that's why I love it. Right. Like, like that's what I asked on, on LinkedIn. And again, guys, I, I'm my, my job. I believe my job is to be a provocateur, be a bit of the court jester, asking some of the hard questions that nobody else is asking. Um, cause frankly, I saw, I've, I've worked with a lot of companies that have zero formalized data governance and doing just fine. Right. Yeah. So I, I think we need to be asking the question and we need to be looking at those companies and understanding what is it about them that is allowing them to succeed in spite of having no data governance. Right. Cause there's yeah. something there. There, there, there's there's some there's something there. So I'll be talking to Bethany about that in a couple of weeks. Really excited uh, for that episode. Yes, Data Fabric Demystified and another episode coming in probably another six weeks or so. Just had the conversation this week with with um, this incredibly smart gentleman who is a mm -hmm. professor of applied applied mathematics at Columbia, uh, Chris Wiggins, who is also the chief data scientist of The New York Times. Uh, so yeah, he's got a he's 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 got you know a couple of important a jobs. Few, Chief data scientist there, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 also you know teaching the 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 best and brightest minds you know at an Ivy League school about how to do math. Uh, so clearly a pretty intelligent dude. Um, but where we sure. talk about some of the history of data, uh, he wrote a book recently called How Data Happened, um, and it kind of traces back how we got to where we are, right, and how we got to a place where. A lot of our media is advertising driven and a lot of our systems are all focused on engagement and, and, sure. and, you know, and, and it's just, to, to me, I found that a fascinating, uh, conversation because of, you know, kind of just the state of our world and, and, and where we are didn't necessarily always had to be that way, but there were a lot of forces that kind of combined along the way to get us to where we are. So that was a, that was a fascinating conversation with Chris Wiggins. So, um, excited about future episodes of, of CDO matters. Um, I, I feel like in many ways we're starting to kind of hit our stride. Um, yeah. Looking at another episode in the future as well, focused on graph. That was a big topic at Gartner. And mm -hmm. what does that actually even mean, right? Uh, if I'm a chief data officer, I'm hearing a lot about graph. Uh, and what does that mean, right? Um, what's what's graph, right? Why mm -hmm. should I care? I just came back from a conference where everybody was talking about it. Um, and, you know, I know a little bit about relational data and kind of rows and columns, but this thing sounds kind of alien to me. And um, sure. so we'll focus on that a little bit as well. But we got a lot of cool, cool stuff coming up on CDO Matters. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Definitely hitting the stride. I think we're keeping the um, the the level of guests up as we get to 20 plus. Uh, I think just the two you just described just there. I think those are two awesome guests. Yeah. Let me get to a question really quickly. So I'm just looking at Q&A. Uh, by the way, Peter, thank you. Uh, I think it was you that, oh no, it was Rachel asking ChatGPT to create a song. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to uh, check that out. Rachel, yes, the conference that you had linked, um, that link, that's DGIQ in San Diego. I definitely recommend that for um, anybody who works, lives, and breathes in data management, data quality, MDM. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, those are the ones that we saw, the, the Q&A that I saw here. So I just want to make sure yeah. we touched off on that. I did get the full um, prophecy governance song from Chad. <laughs> uh, two verses, two chords. Hey, well, you're the drummer here, so yeah. you know you're the musician out of this duo. I could, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sing or play my way out of a wet paper bag. But, but, but you're the musician here, so maybe, maybe in an upcoming episode of CDM Matters yeah, we'll Live, get, um, 
yeah we can we can actually open with with a, see yeah, we'll even see yeah did the governance song going yeah we can yeah oh, we'll, we'll leave that as a teaser for next time just to kind of keep the the um the, the it, mystery and the kind of anticipation alive right yeah if that's not bait to to get one to get one of our our, our viewers back the next time i don't know what is but yeah, yeah. We, we can look at that that could be fun yeah absolutely Cool. Absolutely. Well, we are just about on time. We've got a 1259 on my count here. Thanks again, everybody, for joining another episode of CDO Matters Live. Uh, we'll be back next month. So we'll see you soon. Um, see you next time. Thanks, everybody. See you next month.